As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Well, good morning. Good to be here today with you. So thankful to God for who he is, what he's doing. Was that choir not awesome today? Come on, our worship time. Great to have you in the house. Thankful for all those joining us online. I know some people are still grabbing a seat. I want to start with some statistics. So these are stats on our U.S. military. So what about this? Check this out. The U.S. spent $877 billion last year, which is the highest of any country. China was next at $292 billion. Russia falls in at 864 billion dollars. Hard to just even comprehend those numbers. How about this next one? The U.S. is the third largest army in the world. 1,395,000 active soldiers. India is second, interestingly, at 1.440. And China is first at over 2 million soldiers. Another stat for the military, the breakdown of soldiers between branches, 47% army, 31% Navy, 18% Air Force, and 4% Marine Corps and Coast Guard. How about this next one? I found this interesting. 12% of the U.S. population served during World War II, while today it's less than 1% are active duty and reserves. The male-female breakdown, males 73%, while females comprise 27%. How about this one? Number of U.S. soldiers who died in wars, tragically, is over 1.3 million. Interestingly, over 600,000 died in the Civil War, which is more than World War I and World War II combined. Tragic. Deadliest battle? It was the Battle of Argonne Forest that was in World War I. It was a very intense battle because they were keeping the German forces out of France. They were successful, but 26,000 soldiers lost their lives. And then this one, maybe you'll remember, the Gulf War, it only lasted for 43 days with 299 lives lost, while the War on Terror lasted 20 years, and we lost over 7,000 people. Let's thank any U.S. military that's in the house. Can we do that? Maybe you've served. Let's thank those who are serving. I mean, praise God for them, the sacrifice they give. And now let's just do this. I know um, I lost a nephew. Uh, Maybe you've lost someone who has served in the past. Please praise God for the lives that have been lost as they're defending our freedom and country. Let's give them a round of applause. said all that to say this, just as a soldier defends the freedom of the United States around the world, we, catch this, we're soldiers too, soldiers of Christ, and we need to defend the freedom of the gospel in the church and outside the church in your circle of influence. How do we do it? Well, that's where this series is going. And that's where Paul picks it up next. Open your Bibles 
to Galatians chapter 2. If you got a copy of the Bible here, go ahead and open it up. You could grab one from a seat back nearest you or go to your Bible app and get it electronically on your phone. We'd love to have you follow along. We're going through this book chapter by chapter, verse by verse, word by word. And today, we're really stopping at a pivotal passage in Galatians chapter 2. We're going to take a look at the first 14 verses. And this is what we're calling step Number three. And so as we study this together, you can see on the screen, we're walking through this book and it has nine steps to freedom in Christ. And so we want to maximize the freedom that we have in Him. Today, it's all about embracing the freedom. And how many people can keep a secret? A few of you, a lot of you can't. I don't want you to keep this secret. This is one that we can all spread, but I want to give you four secrets to experiencing, to extending, and to enjoying freedom in Christ. That's where we're headed. So I'm going to give you four secrets. You can see where we're going in the weeks ahead as each of the steps will take us into November. So go ahead and take a look at Galatians chapter 2 with me. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. I'm going to pick it up right where we left off last week. Paul's in the middle of telling his story. He's defending freedom. First two chapters of the book, he's facing some opposition. And so here, he's in the middle of his story. And let me pick it up in verse 1. He writes this in Galatians chapter 2. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them though privately before those who were seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run out in vain. So he's preaching a gospel of freedom. He wants to make sure everyone else is. He's coming into Jerusalem to do that. He hadn't been there for 14 years. Pick it up in verse three. But even Titus, who was with me, he was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. That's an important statement to help us understand the issues that were happening. Yet because of false brothers who were secretly brought in, there it is, they slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. To them, we did not want to yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel may be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. These, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when I saw that they had been, I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and I that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing that we were eager to do. Verse 11 says, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated themselves, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews, they acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. 
But when I saw their contract, conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you though a Jew live like a Jew and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Father, thank you for your word. I pray as we dig into this story that, that you'll help us to fully comprehend the fullness that the freedom of the gospel brings, that we would experience it, that we would extend it, that we would enjoy the freedom that we have in you. If you agree with that prayer, simply say, amen. Four secrets. And so these are secrets to experiencing freedom. These are secrets to extending the freedom. And these are the secrets for us to enjoy the freedom. Freedom was under attack in this passage. And so freedom, the first thing is this, the first secret is that freedom begins when the gospel is accepted. So accepting the gospel brings freedom. And so again, Paul is in the middle of his story. He talked about it at the end of chapter one. He talked about his freedom story when he received the gospel. And now it's 14 years later, he's heading up to Jerusalem. And the interesting thing is he doesn't go to Jerusalem very often because he was sent to proclaim the freedom of the gospel to the Gentiles, not the Jews. And so the Jews are all in Jerusalem. He stays away from them. He's presenting it to the Gentiles. But he's on his way up because there was a problem. And so what was the problem? Well, we get a little hint of it in these verses. We'll put them up on the screen. Yet because of false brothers who secretly were brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ. See, Titus was with Paul. He has his own freedom story. Barnabas was with Paul. He's got his own freedom story too. He was Paul's partner and he was his encourager. But Titus's story was right here. It tells us that he was a Greek and they didn't force him to be circumcised. And we've been studying in this, guy, in this study already that legalism is when we add things to our faith that aren't in the Bible. Legalism can happen. We add things that either tradition or rules or regulations or things to the gospel that aren't in the gospel. And that's what they were struggling with. That's why we're talking about guilt-free Christianity, the freedom that we can have. It isn't works-driven. It isn't guilt-ridden. We, we don't want that. But what was happening here is that there was this legalistic party, the circumcision party, as Paul calls them here. He says Judaizers in chapter three and in other places, these were the ones that were trying to force them to adhere strictly to the Mosaic law. And that involved the circumcision, and that involved separation, and here we see that you can't eat with that group of people. And so Paul's like, I, I have none of that. And, and freedom begins when the gospel is accepted. And so he's fighting against legalism here. Now, legalism, I've used this definition. I kind of said it, but let me slow down to make sure you understand. Legalism for us today, it's when you add things to the Bible to make yourself appear more spiritual than you are. Legalism is when we add things to the Bible to elevate ourselves, spiritually speaking, around people so that we can, oh, yes, I do this, you don't. And I don't know about you, but... I got enough trouble keeping track of what's in here as it is. I don't need any more. Anybody with me? I mean, this, yeah, come on, let's praise the Lord. Isn't it true? Like, we don't need any more. And so how do you know if you're a legalist? I mean, are they in here too? Well, 
do a self-check. Do a heart check now. Let me give you what I'm calling five signs to help discern if you're on the track or becoming legalistic or a legalist. And the first one is simple. Really, it's rules over relationship. I'm talking about the rules that we have, the regulations, the things that are extra that take superiority over your relationship with God. You reduce your walk with God to what you can't do instead of what you can do. Hey, I've had so many conversations with people who've been in the church for years longer than me, and it was all about what you couldn't do. I couldn't do this, and I couldn't do this, and my skirt had to be this size, and I couldn't dance, and I couldn't listen to that music. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That, that was rules over the relationship. We don't understand the why, and the relationship is clouded. That leads to the next thing, duty over delight. And for some, you grew up in a faith where the journey felt more like a chore and you wrongly believed that God was never pleased with you. And if that's you today, if it's about a chore and coming to church and this is a chore and not a delight, and you're thinking, man, God doesn't, he doesn't believe, he doesn't care what anything I do, he's never pleased with me. Can I remind you that God is 100% pleased in you because of Christ? And so duty over delight, it's a sign of legalism. How about this next one? This is a big one external behavior or really outward appearance over internal heart change. And what happens here, you just get more concerned with how you look on the outside rather than who you're becoming on the inside. And so this is really important because it's all about externals and outward appearance. And that's why Jesus said, he looked at him and said, you whitewashed tombs. That, it was all about their outer appearances. They were elevating themselves. The religious leaders were. And Jesus attacked them for their pharisaical behavior. Two more. How about this one? Judging others over judging yourself. You're more focused on comparing yourself to others instead of comparing yourself to Jesus. And some of you, got to be honest, you're sitting in here and you're thinking, man, I wish somebody else was in here to hear this message. I mean, we got to apply it to ourselves first, don't we? And then it's like, well, then it can go out. But, but that's so important to put the mirror up and look at yourself. Lastly, this is one that really hurts my heart. It's looking down over looking up. And so hear what I'm saying. We're looking down at people, sometimes because we think we're over them, and sometimes we think that we're better than them, but we're looking down on them and their behavior, and we're seeing them for who they are today in the flesh, what they're doing, their behavior. I can't believe you do that. We're looking down on people and seeing them for who they are today in the flesh rather than who they can become in Jesus. And that's what the religious leaders did. That's what it talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It said that they looked at Jesus and they didn't recognize who he was. And then they said that they would never make that mistake again. The apostles said this, is that we want to see people for who they can become, not who they are. Man, I'm telling you, this is a rough crowd. We want to see people for who they can become rather than who they are. And the truth of the matter is, you and I have both been there. And so if you're watching at home online, these are the signs to help you discern if you're becoming a legalist. So before we move on, I mean, just, just make sure this isn't penetrating in you today. And where do you kind of lean? And, and we can all be there. Paul is pointing both barrels at legalism because he wants freedom to be experienced 
He wants freedom to be extended and he wants freedom to be enjoyed. Freedom in Christ. But you're saying, well, wait, wait, wait. Well, if we say freedom, well, what if they do this? Just hold on to your horses. We're going to get to it. But it isn't interesting. We're going to abuse freedom. Just hold on. I mean, Paul doesn't even talk about that. And, and we do. But I'm going to address it. But the next secret, it's simply this. If you're a note taker, write down freedom flourishes when the gospel is advanced. And so that's what we see happening in the New Testament is the freedom flourishing because these guys are taking the gospel to places that it had never been before. And so there's a phrase, and it's a very interesting phrase. I love it. You see it in verse 7. It, it's used two times. It says, entrusted with the gospel. And so Paul's like, I've been entrusted with the gospel from Jesus. He got it directly from him. And he's like, I'm getting it to the Gentiles. That's how I've been commissioned to go. And then, and he says, just like Peter, just like Cephas, he was given the gospel. He was entrusted with the gospel to get it to the Jews. So first and foremost, we all have our circles of influence that God has entrusted the gospel to you for you to permeate the freedom. So that could be at your workplace. That could be even in your neighborhood. That could be in your family that could even be right here in the church, that, that we want to see the gospel advanced. And then what's interesting, he talks about these pillars and James and Cephas and John. And so James is Jesus's half-brother. And he's talking about that they've been given, the, they, gave John, they gave Paul the right hand of fellowship. That's partnership. And they recognized that the gospel that he was giving, this guilt-free Christianity, was the true gospel. So they're like, yep. And it was James, Jesus' half-brother. It was Cephas. That's, that's actually Peter who walked with Jesus. That's John. That's the disciple that Jesus loved. And so they took the gospel. Let me show you a graphic that I think is kind of interesting. And so if we can put this up on the board, this shows... The apostles, I've added James, who's mentioned in this text, and it shows how far they took the gospel. And so you and I have been influenced and impacted by their commitment to freedom and advancing. Paul, he took it as far as Spain, and he was beheaded for it. This is James. That's the James that was part of the original 12. He was also beheaded. We'll just skip down. I won't go through all of them, but we see... John, who he died of old age, but tradition tells us that he was actually boiled in a pot of oil. Jesus, his brother, James, his half-brother, he was beaten and he was stoned. And Peter, Cephas in the text, I mean, he brought it all the way to Turkey and Italy, and he didn't want to be crucified like Jesus was, so he asked to be crucified upside down, all these people, they advanced the gospel and they gave their lives for it. I mean, praise God for the advancement that they had. So how are we as a church doing? And because we want to advance the same freedom. I'm glad you asked. Let me show this picture for, this is what we call our High Point Send Network. And so these are the hubs throughout the world. These are church planting hubs. So these are places that we've partnered together with High Point Scent, 
And these are churches that have networks of people that were planting churches all over the globe. And so let's start all the way in Russia. We've got Pastor Joseph. And we saw him actually last year. We were at a retreat with him that we put on for all of our pastors. We prayed over him. And man, I mean, he is in the depths of it, him and his wife. And he's all the way in Siberia. And he runs a seminary and he has planters that he's planting churches in the midst of the turmoil there. We've got my friend Christian Barbosu. And Christian, we've known him for years. He's in Romania. And so we partner with him. He plants churches all over Europe. Next, we see two church planting hubs in Africa. And so I'm going to speak about those in a moment, but those are great opportunities for us to plant. You'll see we have a church planting hub in St. Vincent. That's Pastor Al Blake. And Pastor Al, we're so thankful for him. We're trying to help him get into a full-time facility. He's planted numerous churches on the islands. We want to plant with him because we want to go there in January and February. You hear me? <laughs> Let's just all be honest right now. And just like, you know what? That's the place we, yeah, I'm signing up for that missions trip. That's going to be good. And in all seriousness, we're doing a great job. And then this signifies right here in Chicago, this is our church right here in Naperville. So we've got, out of this group, we have on deck... At some stage, there's over 30 planters that are in some stage of getting prepared. Of that 30, we've got 10 to 12 that we're training in the next 12 to 18 months. That would be in places like Romania. That would be places in Russia. That would be places right here. We've got three homes where we bring people in and we plant people. Let me show you a picture of a guy who we're bringing in right now who's actually from Africa. And so Pastor Anton, Anthony, Anthony, he runs the Eastern African Hub. Are you following me? That's Pastor Anthony. And the guy, I just, I can't, like Craig, Pastor Craig is here. Look at the size of his head. I mean, just like, just like man, you just show a little humility and get in the back. You know what I mean? Just kind of, you know, I'm not going to take over. I'm just, um, but we took this because these guys are here. And this is Pastor Wah and his wife, Evelyn. And so they're coming to the United States. They were here this week. They're going to come back, and we're going to be planting them somewhere in the United States. Can we praise God for that? I mean, it's just a great opportunity. So there's, we have spots for five people this year. Three of them are taken. We're looking at two other people where we will plant churches out of this church right here through High Point Send Network. Now, let me just say this. How can we do all this? Well, it's because of your commitment to Limitless. And so you're giving a portion of your resources back so that we can expand the gospel. And I know, let's just be honest, you know what? There's been a couple setbacks that we've experienced. A couple setbacks with we're regathering a church. There's been some setbacks. But can I remind you that God is bringing new opportunities that we didn't know existed? Can we praise him for that? I mean, these are opportunities, and we wouldn't be in a position to do it 
if you weren't giving back faithfully to Limitless and what we're doing here. So this isn't a time to hold back because, oh, I'm not sure. No, this is a time to say, man, God is at work. I mean, right now, I walked in and I walked by High Point Korean, Korean is meeting right now in the gym. Is that, is that crazy? So if, you know, you get out to the bathroom over there and you got to go to the bathroom and you take a wrong right-hand turn, I'm just telling you, you're not going to understand anything. But seriously, I mean, that's an opportunity where Pastor Kiwan, we just moved him into one of our houses. He's going to be one of the people we're training over the next 12 to 18 months. And Pastor Kiwan is a guy who we are looking forward to what God will do in this ministry as we give him glory. I mean, it's just, it's just awesome things. So again, infomercial for Limitless. You're providing the resources to help us do just that. So let me ask you, we see how far the disciples took it. We see how far we as a church are taking it. How about you as an individual? I know it's foolish, but let me ask this question. I mean, how far, if it solely rested on you, the advancement of the gospel, how far has it gone in the last six years? I mean, I know it's foolish. I know it doesn't just rest on one person, but if it did, how far did you take it? Did you take it to a family member or a friend in your workplace? How about how far did it go in the last six months? Or dare I ask, how far has it gone in the last six days? Now, before the spirit of conviction comes too much, let me remind you that you are helping to plant churches, financially giving back, some serving, or send people on teams. Like, praise God for that. But, but how else is he moving you, not across the globe, but just over the fence, that you would be sharing the love of Jesus in word and in deed. That's what God calls us to do. You've been entrusted with the gospel. I have a picture in my office of the seminary that I went to with the steeple, and it says below it, entrusted with the gospel. And that's a prized possession for me because if you took that off the wall and you flipped it over, you would see some names of some people that sent me out and commissioned me and other people who went out with the gospel. They've been entrusted with the gospel. You've been entrusted with the gospel. So I'm going to do something a little different. I talk to a lot of people and they're just like, oh, I don't know, it's like the, I'm not a pastor and I, I don't know, I've never been trained. And you got to remember, these were uneducated, untrained men. So we're going to have a commissioning service right now. I'm going to commission you. I can just feel the excitement in the room. I'm going to commission you because not only have I been entrusted with the gospel, you have been too. So stand with me, all of us together. If you're able, stand with me. I am going to commission you with the gospel that you've been entrusted to. And so please, what are we saying? We're saying you've been entrusted the gospel to take it into your circle of influence. Are you ready? This is a commissioning service, man. Come on, I want more excitement. But in all seriousness, the scripture says I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. The scripture says the righteous are as bold as a lion. If you're saying, I don't know if I can do this, I, I'm not sure if I can. That's the exact place you want to be. God uses you and he works through you as we talk to people, as we meet with people. So bow your heads with me. Here's the commissioning prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for each of these people that are in the room standing, those that are watching online. Lord, because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done, because of what we read about in 
this letter, we want to take your gospel, the freedom that it proclaims, we want to not only experience for ourselves, we want to extend it to the people around us. We want people to enjoy the freedom that they can have in Christ. And so, Lord, I pray for each and every heart. I ask that you, Father, would work in them and that you would give them a vision and a plan that you, by your spirit, would even help us this week to identify opportunities because we've been entrusted with the gospel, because we are as bold as a lion, because we desire to share your word in truth. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. amen. You have been commissioned. Go ahead, service is over. We'll see you later. I'm just kidding. Stop it. You can sit down. During the nine o'clock uh, service, I had 30 people leave. I was just a little concerned about them. But in all seriousness, man, we've been commissioned and you've been entrusted. And so what's another secret? Well, how about this one? Freedom diminishes when the gospel's compromised. And so some of us have been waiting for this. Well, what if somebody takes advantage and, and what happens if the gospel is abused? Well, certainly freedom is diminished. We're gonna get to that in a moment. But in the text, what do we see? If you're a note taker, write down the word people pleaser because that's what we see. That's what was happening here in this story. And it's interesting who was doing the people pleasing. It was Peter himself. And so Peter, or Cephas as he's called, it, Paul came up and he opposed him to his face. Because why? Well, he was with certain men who were from James who were eating with the Gentiles. But then when they came in, they drew back and they separated themselves, fearing the circumcision party. So here's Peter who's called to the Jews and he's being influenced. He's pleasing people over God. Ding, 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 ding. Not a good plan. And he's, he's separating himself with the rest of the Jews. And what does he call them? He says they're hypocritical. And, and then he, and look what happens. Barnabas, who's Paul's guy, is led astray. And so here we see when the gospel, it's, it's being abused. We're losing freedom because people are trying to please other people. Now, we all have the tendency to be people pleasers. I know it's true. I have a tendency to do it, too. So, so how do, let, me, let me share the unpleasant truth about people pleasers. And so we'll put this up on the screen. People pleasers don't want to disappoint others. And so that's why they, they're just, they get nervous, and they don't want to, and I don't want to disappoint anyone, and and so they kind of go along with the flow. People pleasers, they, they don't know how to say no. If you're a people pleaser, you know what I mean, and you can't say no, and so you say yes to everything. Is this connecting with anyone? And then you spread yourself so thin that you can't really focus and you can't do, you really can't do something well because you're involved in too many little things. People pleasers, they're easily manipulated and, and they're taken advantage of. And, and that is the truth about people pleasing. They can be manipulated a lot easier than many people, and it's troubling. People pleasers, they do things out of obligation. And I mean, they just, they just keep doing and doing and doing. And next few things, people pleasers, they, they avoid conflict. And so I, I don't want to avoid conflict at all costs. And so what people pleasers do is they set themselves on fire so other people don't get burned. I mean, that's a people pleaser. 
And so here we see Paul doing it in relationship to faith and the gospel. You and I do it in relationship to all kinds of different things. Few more, people pleasers compromise what they believe to satisfy other people. And then lastly, people pleasers please others. They don't please themselves. And when you're not pleasing others and you're not pleasing self, people pleasers have a tendency to not please God because you're not doing what his desire is. So take a look at that list and we wanna weed out any people pleasing that you may be going through because that's what Paul is talking about. People pleasing compromises the gospel. God is calling you to some things and he doesn't want you to be a person pleaser over pleasing God. I mean, Paul's writing about that continually in this message. And so that's abusing the freedom. Freedom is diminishing as a result. Another thing that we do, there's two extremes in the church. So let me handle this as best that I can. It's almost like there's a, uh, if you could, there's a timeline here. And so you got one extreme on this side in the church, and we have another extreme on this side. So just to pick this one, let's just say it's this group. These are two extremes in the church that compromise. And so this group, let's just say this is the legalist group. And legalism, what it leads to in the church is it leads to separatism. And so that's what we see going on here. They're not eating with the group of people. And so, sorry, I did look at some of the people here and this group qualifies. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but this is one side of the spectrum. And so this is legalism that results in separation that results in what I would call separatists. Then on the other side of the spectrum, and so now we don't have legalism, we got license over here. And so, yes, I picked you. Saw a couple people here and I'm like, yep, this is the group. So what you do is you're not legalistic, but you are license to what sin and things are and you just take some liberty and what happens is you don't you don't separate yourself from the culture you immerse yourself so much into the culture that that you can't be seen that that your christianity kind of blends in and that people don't know is this connecting with anybody people don't know that you're truly following god and you're not standing up for the gospel so here we got the holy huddle over there, and we don't want to be like them, do we? I mean, they just gather in their own little group, and, and they're not letting it, they're not sharing the gospel either. But we're so deep in immersionists that, that we're not standing up for the gospel either. So those are the two extremes. You say, well, which one is worse? Anyone? What, what do you think? What, what, this group here that's the good people, which one do you think is worse? Well, it, it is. It's which, let me say it like this. Whichever one you lean towards, it, it's, just, it's, it's not good. So as I look at this group, some of you I'd like to put over here, and there's a few of you that certainly belong over there. No, I'm kidding. But, but honestly, where are we at in the church today? So let's not talk about this church. Let's talk about the church. And so in the 80s and 90s, I mean, I wasn't even a Christian way back then. And and in the 80s and 90s, I remember reading a book by uh, Chuck Swindoll, and it was called um, uh, Grace. 
It was a grace awakening, and it was all about legalism in the 80s and 90s. And so there was much that was written. There was much to talk that, that a lot of legalism in the church. But today, I think we fall into the trap of license. And I don't think we're struggling with legalism. My heart says that I think we're struggling with license and that we're so immersed in the culture that, that we're doing things that maybe things that we can do, but we not ought to do. And that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 14, he says, don't do anything that will cause your brother or sister to stumble. Don't use an opportunity to exert your freedom to cause other people to stumble. We gotta just be cautious. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should, right? I mean, we just gotta be careful. And, and God leads us. And, and, and sometimes people, they reduce the message of freedom because of the abuse. And Paul's not saying to do that either. So, so what should we do? Well, let me give you a verse. This is a really helpful one for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. I love the amplified version. It says that all things are lawful. That is more legitimate and personable, but not all things are beneficial, right? There's some things that we can even do here in Illinois that they're not against the law, but, but are they beneficial or they're, are they advantageous to us and to our faith and to what we're doing? He says, all things are lawful, but not all things are constructive to character and edifying to spiritual life. So we just got to be careful that, that we don't want to cause somebody to stumble because of us expressing our freedom, us really using our freedom. We just want to be careful. Make sense? Amen. Next thing is this. We're talking about secrets. And so we don't want to diminish freedom. We certainly don't want to do that. We want to see freedom flourish. We want to see freedom advanced. And we want to see freedom prevail. That's an important thing. We want to see freedom prevail over all things. And it is when the gospel is defended. So I'm going to call the worship team back up. We're getting ready to close the service here. And I just want to show us what Paul did. I mean, Paul, I mean, this is Peter. And he says to him when he saw his conduct, it was not in step with the truth of the gospel. And so here Paul is calling out Peter. I mean, it's simply amazing. He's calling him out for what he's doing, and he's defending the gospel. So how can we defend the gospel? That's the important question I want to leave you with. How can I defend it? Well, let me give you kind of a checklist, a cheat sheet for defending the gospel. Take a look at this. I put this together and I've been wanting to share it to you for this, with you for this series. Let me say it like this. The gospel, it's not an idea or philosophical system. No, the truth of the gospel, it's the story of God's redemptive story rooted in history. Is that not amazing? I mean, this is not some idea that some man came up with. Paul said that he got it straight as a revelation from Christ. Hey, the gospel is an information it's not about just stuffing my head with more facts and figures and Bible knowledge so that I can attain, so that I can be more spiritual, so that I can look down on you. No, the gospel is the truth that changes a person's whole life. That's the gospel. It breaks the chains of bondage. It gives us freedom. Some of us, hey, I'm telling you, you're in the jail cell. The door's wide open. God wants you to experience more freedom in him. Amen? The gospel, it isn't a plan of self-help. 
It's just not this, oh, just, no, it's not. It's the only way to truly live. And the gospel, it's not something we do with God's help. Like, hey, sprinkle a little Jesus in here along with this and along with that. And hey, I'll take a little. No, it's, it's the sheer act of God's grace. We are utterly useless without him. We need him tremendously to fill us, to grow us, to change us, to stop us from doing the things that we know are harmful to us and to others. The gospel does it by God's grace. That's the gospel. And lastly, I mean, the gospel isn't some small part of, of, of the Bible's whole story. No, the gospel is cover to cover. The, the gospel is the very point of the Bible. It all points to Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior, our Lord. Amen? Amen. That is the gospel. So as we've been doing in this whole series, if you've been tracking with us, before we can move on to step four, because there's nine steps, we got to make sure we got step three. And so step three, it's all about freedom. And so I want you to take a moment and meet with God. And I want to summarize the message in one sentence on the screen. And so I'm just going to ask you whether you're at home, if you would take some time now or here in the room and just take a look at that sentence. Do you got it? And, and just ask yourself, this isn't about us anymore. This isn't about the church. This is about you. And so just take a moment between you and God and, and maybe he's gonna talk with you about accepting the gospel today. And you can receive that even in this moment, the gospel of freedom. Maybe it's about advancing it and he's laying on your heart someone who you know that you need to say a good word about Jesus or you need to share your story or you just need to help someone listen to them at a point of difficulty. Or maybe if you're like me, there's an, there's an area and if you're honest, I mean, today, I don't know what it is. And maybe it's a good thing that became a bad thing because it's crowding out the best thing. And there's some things that you're doing right now. You're just on the edge and you're compromising. And for some of us, it's, it's a little thing that, that has become a crevice that we don't want to turn into a crack that's going to cause a crater. And, and so let's take a moment with your heads bowed now and listen to the Lord speak to you. And let's leave here to defend it. So when the Lord's spoken to you as a sign of allegiance and affirmation, just stand and sing with us.